are free. I am your host, Becky Morquecho, and you're listening to episode 13. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. Today, my guest is Susie Van Dyke. Susie is married to her best friend and business partner, Lucas, and she's mama to two crazy curly blonde haired boys who are just beautiful. She is co-founder of Wild and Free Supply, a missions-based company that helps ministry leaders in Honduras with fair wage jobs. She's also been a photographer at Lucas and Susie Photography for more than 10 years. Susie lives in Los Angeles where she enjoys the beach, camping, snuggling on the couch with a good book, and she loves to encourage women to live each moment intentionally, hand in hand with Jesus. And that is so evident in her life, whether you just see this girl on Instagram, her blog, or in real life, having coffee with her or hugging you. And if she's hugging you, Susie is just the real deal. And I'm so excited for you to hear from her today. Welcome to We Are Free, friend. Thank you. It's so fun to be here. Yeah. um, Today, there's a lot of things I'd like to chat with Susie about (laughs) for you guys to hear, but... Um, we have a lot of heart to hearts. I think today what I'd love to chat most about is motherhood and all the different ways that that looks, but I want you to hear me too. If you're not a mom or you don't even want kids, that's okay. I want you to listen anyway, because, um, that's kind of part of Susie's story as well. And I'd, um, love to start there. Susie, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your family? Yes. Okay. So you asked me to kind of start back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to have to go back a little bit. When I was 12, I oh, we're going way the, back. We're going way back <laughs> because of one of your, yeah, one of your questions. When I was 12, we lived out in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky and it was a very Caucasian area and a neighbor down the street adopted a beautiful little girl from Asia. And it was my first uh, glimpse into the idea of adoption. And I was already a believer at that point. I had put my faith in Jesus Christ and I just, it struck me as a 12 year old. Oh my goodness. There are kids who don't have parents who need homes. And one day I want to do this. So tuck that away and fast forward. I meet my amazing husband at church. We, uh, I actually was working with him before we started dating. And the day that he asked me to officially be his girlfriend, I said to him as a preface to <laughs> saying his girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally did. I like raised my finger. Oh. I was like, you should know this about me. I feel called to adopt. Like before, he wasn't even proposing. Yeah. He's like, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> and I'm like, I need to tell you, I feel called to adopt. Yeah. And he just was like, you know, raised the eyebrow. Like, that's kind of funny. You're bringing this up right now yeah. in, the, in the romantical moment. Um, and I just said, I, I just need to tell you that because if adoption is a no for you, like a hard no, like you never could see yourself doing that, then I don't even want to date. Wow. Talk <laughs> about living by conviction. <laughs> so it was just funny. And so he just told me immediately, he's like, no, I think that's awesome. I'm very open to that. Um, yeah. And so I was like, okay, we can date. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. So take it from that conversation. We were married five years before having children, which now we have our two biological sons and right, um, about year four, I was feeling that feeling of, 
okay, you know, let's move on to the chapter of children. We had, you know, because you've known us this long, we had been working hard as photographers, traveling. Um, oh my goodness. We had traveled half the year, some of those years shooting, which was a blast. Yeah. And it was that time where we were starting to think about children. I remember we, I don't know if it was the first time we actually met you guys in person. We were at your studio in LA and I remember sitting on the couch with you, Jesse and Lucas were like over on the other side of the room. We were talking about work and photography and I I asked you about kids. I remember you saying to me, like, you weren't even sure if you wanted kids. And I remember thinking like, Susie's so warm and kind and like, of course she'll have kids, but it's just, it was not everybody has that idea or plan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's how it was for me was I was just, um, so along with this kind of like God feeling of like, I wanted to adopt one day, I didn't know if I wanted to have biological children. And that was mostly because I was afraid. I was so afraid of a lot of things of being pregnant, Mm -hmm. of giving birth, um, I think in our culture, it's, it's really sad how we talk about birth. Um, you know, it's like everyone had always told me it's the worst pain in the world. Like what a horrible, you know, stigma to put on something that a lot of women go through. Um, so I was just really afraid. And so I did not know if I wanted any biological children, but I knew that someday I wanted to adopt. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that conversation. <laughs> um, So how did that, like, how did that change? So you're four. Well, so what was interesting was, you know, I started thinking, okay, so this means we need to adopt if we're in, in that, you know, um, season where we're talking about kids. And so Lucas and I had decided to adopt from Nicaragua. And I couldn't believe you remembered that detail because we never talked about that publicly, just to a few yeah. people one-on-one. And I created like my adoption notebook and we were so excited. And about three months into pursuing that, we hadn't signed paperwork yet. Lucas had a heart to heart with me and said, I really don't feel good about adopting from Nicaragua right now because I just am not a kid person And the idea of just having this kid come to me out of the blue really makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like the best uncle, you know, to his nieces and nephews, but he's, he's not a, what you would call a kid person. Yeah. Um, You know, he thinks they're loud and noisy (laughs) and they are, (laughs) but he loves them, but he loves them. Yes. He loves his children. So that was really hard for me. And I remembered just crying with a friend telling her like my, Oh, my heart was in this. I thought that was the moment the Lord had been preparing me for. And so that was, you know, that book was closed for that moment. Mm -hmm. So that was done. So then how, and when did Wilder come into the scene? Did you guys decide to start trying to have kids surprise? What happened? Yeah. So from there, we took like a few months break, just praying and, you know, trying to be, I was trying to be on the same page with him because I was really heartbroken about that and um, just trying to be understanding. And then we both felt good about trying to have biological children Uh and the Lord so graciously allowed us to get pregnant. And um, that was our firstborn son, Wilder. So he was born five years into marriage. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So how did God, so you're 12 years old, you have this like very strong, like conviction or calling like on your life. 
how, like, do you still feel that now? Is that something that you feel like you're yeah. still waiting? When you just said to me, like, oh, you felt like you were, that was the moment God had like prepared you for. Like, do you feel mm -hmm. like that has been fulfilled in other ways or are you still have that idea in your mind? Well, what's interesting is that I keep thinking that that is going to be fulfilled. Yeah. And there's been, you know, at least two other moments in my history um, in the past few years and in this journey that I kept thinking, okay, God, this is the time. Yes. And as you know, we did foster care last year. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I thought that it would be the time, like the Lord is going to bring us a baby that is adoptable, that needs a mommy and daddy. And, um, we had two beautiful little foster sons come into our home last year and we got to care for the first one for, only 10 days. And okay. then he got placed with his grandparents. And the second one we got for a little over three months. And then he got placed with a grandmother. And so that again, was that feeling of like, okay, Lord, I've been believing, I've been trusting you. You're the one who gave me this desire, but you had two chances to give me children who needed a permanent home. Yeah. And that's not what happened. Right. Um, so I definitely, would still love to adopt, but I think that this process is just, you know, going along with that theme that you and I have been talking about, which is waiting on the Lord and laying down our own plans and our own ideas of what that should look like. Right. <laughs> and instead just trusting him with the details. Yeah. Which is hard, obviously, um, so hard. <laughs> but good all at the same time. Susie, how did you guys decide to do foster care? I know we had had a handful of conversations about adoption um, years ago. How did you guys decide to pursue that route versus like pursuing adoption or foster to adopt? Like, yeah, walk me through that a little bit. Cause I've yeah. talked with a lot of women just knowing our story and like with adoption, like how did you decide to go international and, and all of that? Like, what was it for you guys? Yeah, I think it's so helpful to like hear different stories on both sides because they're so different. So Lucas and I had lived in Honduras for a few months in 2016. Um, yes, that's the right year, 2016. And while we were there, I was involved in orphan ministries. So I was just volunteering at an orphanage and praying about like, Lord, is there something connected here? Yeah. You know, you're just kind of always wondering yes. if he's going to bring you what you want. <laughs> um, and it was just a lovely uh, opportunity to be able to be with those kids. But I found out that adopting from Honduras was very hard and it had to do with the government mm -hmm. and it was really sad. It was all this just dysfunction in the government. It had nothing to do with the children being available. And so seeing that on the international front, I knew that that would probably be similar in a lot of places mm -hmm. and that it could be, you know, like a five year journey and so when we came back to the U.S. and decided to stay here, because we had been considering staying in Honduras, um, when we came back here, I just started asking myself, well, what about the orphans in the United States? We don't, I had never really heard much talk about the orphans here. We don't have orphanages. So I was like, well, where are these kids? So that just kind of led me on a search to, you know, see how the United States handled that. Yeah which led me to learn about foster care. Okay. And God brought a few women into my life who were foster parents. 
and um, the process is so much quicker and simpler to jump in to helping, you know, these vulnerable children. However, I think the main difference is that with foster care, even if you're doing, um, hoping to adopt like we are, a lot of times the placements will not go to adoption. Yeah. Even if initially they're like, oh, we really think this is going to go to adoption. Yeah. And and that's specifically with the younger children. There are definitely older children who are available for adoption like tomorrow in the sense of they will be adopted and the social workers know that there's nobody else in line for that child, like no relatives yeah. or anything. So, um, so we jumped into foster care with the desire to adopt, but we also were, um, we weren't doing adoption only Mm -hmm. because in the state of California, they do things a little differently. They will not make children legal orphans until a family has been, um, identified to step in to the role of parents. So that basically means all the technical stuff. It basically means they're not going to say this kid's adoptable until they already have the family. Okay. Whereas in a lot of other states, I think like Florida, they'll actually cut off those parental rights if if the parents are not a safe option for the child. And then you know that that kid's adoptable, even at the younger ages. Yeah. California doesn't do it that way. So it's a lot trickier. So that's why we the two placements we took, we knew that like there was that possibility of them being reunified However, on the phone, when they asked us to take these babies, they told us both cases, it looks like this is probably an adoptable case. Okay. Do you know, like, any experience or, like, information from social workers, like, what, not percentage, but, like, how often does that happen where they say, no, it looks like they're adoptable, but then they're not. And, I mean, that's the goal is to reunify, to have, like, loving biological, like, that's not a bad thing um, all the time. But do you know how often that happens? Yeah, it's just from being in foster care communities now, it's all the time. Okay. So that's what I would just counsel someone. Like if there's somebody who only wants to adopt, um, specifically, you know, if people are struggling with infertility and just have that desire Mm -hmm. to know that that baby's going to stay in their arms, I wouldn't suggest foster care for them unless they were open to adopting either special needs or a child that's a little bit older because in those areas, it's a lot more likely that that will be an adoption. Okay. Um, for infants, it is so hit or miss. Yeah. So what, so for three months you had these babies at different times, right? Yeah. Different times. Yep. How, what was that life like? Like how were the boy, how old are, how old's Wilder and Cedar? Wilder's four and Cedar's three. Okay. So how was it for the boys? What was that like for you guys, for your marriage? Like, give us a little glimpse. Okay. Here's the real (laughs) story. Give it to me, girl. (laughs) This is what this podcast is, right? Yep. It, it was so hard. Okay. So hard. So the first placement, we were getting a newborn, um, straight from the hospital and we thought we would be getting this little boy three days before Lucas went on a trip to Honduras. We didn't hear from the social worker for 48 hours. We're like wandering our house, you know, hoping it looks good enough and the crib's ready. She didn't even call to say, oh, hey, actually it's in two days. Yeah. She had made an appointment, never showed up, never called us. We didn't know what was going on. Oof. And then, you know, 48 hours after that, she calls and says, can I bring him right now type of scenario. So that was when Lucas was supposed to go to Honduras like the next day. And I was like, okay, let's still do it. 
Still, she didn't show up. Lucas goes to Honduras and she comes the next day. Oh my gosh. So I was single mom with a newborn, a two-year-old and a three-year-old the whole time. And baby was there the whole time he was gone. So it was just such funny timing. So he would, so the baby was in and out of the house before Lucas ever came home. Well, he had one day with the baby. (laughs) That is crazy. God's testing you in some way. What is he teaching you? Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. And I, you know, so Lucas didn't have the whole experience of like the baby shows up and then you're, you know, this is like the first time that you're getting your foster placement. So, um, it was, I'm so grateful. Like my church stepped up and brought me meals and all this stuff. And, and even the Instagram community like sent me, they were praying for me and everything. Um, so that was kind of funny. And then whenever he left, it was just as abrupt. Like I was in the like in my mind, I'm like, okay, he'll be with us a long time, blah, blah, blah. We did a couple of visits with his biological mother. And then 10 days later, I get this call from a random social worker I'd never heard of saying, okay, we're going to move the baby to his grandparents tomorrow. You just don't know when you enter that you world, no you idea. just don't know. And you have to be okay. Just not knowing. Exactly. <clears throat> and, and a woman told me very wisely, she described foster care like this. She said, it's not that you're looking for a child to bring into your family. Mm -hmm. You're bringing your family into the life of a child. Yeah. So I think that's a really good distinction. It's, you know, that child has other family members and a history and all these moving pieces and social workers. And so your whole family becomes involved with that. Yeah. Wow. So how did the boys do? With the babies. Oh, they loved him. Oh my gosh. They Aww. would hold him and feed him his bottle. And yeah. That's oh my so goodness. sweet. I think that's yeah. so cool. I love, I love the idea of it for a million reasons. A, cause we're, you know, called to take care of orphans and, um, step up in that way. But I think it's so cool. Like hearing like how the boys did and like what that does in their little hearts. Like, I don't know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, like having those experiences and seeing what you guys um, want to focus on in your life and what's important to you and having your children like witness that I think is something so powerful. I just, yeah, I think that's beautiful that they were part oh. of that and just like, yeah, just like they're right there in it with you. Yes. And you know, kind of what that reminds me of is in this conversation, we're talking about like our ideas and then what God's really doing. And in both of the placements with my foster sons, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this is probably because I'm going to adopt this baby. And in, in reality, what the Lord ended up using both of these for is I connected with their birth moms Mm -hmm. in a really powerful way. And so my first baby's birth mom actually called me a few weeks ago. I hadn't heard from her in a year just to tell me, thank you for watching her baby and that she was so grateful for that. And I had gotten to share the love of God with her in a conversation, like at the, um, when she was visiting her baby Yeah, and you know, we just had a really special connection. And so that is obviously from God because you hear all the horror stories and like, you just never know what's going on with, um, people and, you know, with her, she, you know, had just been having a really hard time. And I think just having someone look her in the eyes and care yeah, was a lot for her. And it's so funny. You would have never known that like going into it. I think God is just so yeah. <clears throat> incredible with his surprises. Like for us, he's just, he's shown us so many things like we would have never dreamed of that are huge gifts. 
So I think that that's so cool how he works and like, we can't just like underestimate or just rely on him for what we think we're going to get from, you know, how he's going to bless us. Exactly. Yeah. He ends up doing it in ways that are just so much better. Um, so you had told me that you and Lucas recently went on your 10 year anniversary trip. Um, which is awesome. Congrats. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then you guys had a big conversation about just kids in general and family. Um, whatever you would like to share. Um, I think it would be encouraging for people listening to know, like, and to see like when you're married, how you might not always be on the same page and how, Mm -hmm. um, God can work through that versus like using it to like pit you guys against each other. Um, so whatever you'd like to share, what was, what did you and Lucas talk about and just where are you guys at as far as wanting more children, um, in your family? Yeah. Yeah. So after our second foster placement in general, we had decided to take a break because that placement was, which was a little over three months was very hard on my husband. Mm -hmm. And as we were walking through it, you know, I was so busy with managing a one-year-old, two-year-old and three-year-old managing parental visits. This case, um, my foster son had a lot of biological family contacting me all the time. Okay. So it was just literally like 90% of my emotional energy was going towards foster care for three months. Yeah. And that was a drastic change from having worked so closely with my husband, you know, for nine years, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, at least. And so that was just a very large toll on him. And, um, you know, you had mentioned, we have this company wild and free supply that helps, um, Honduran pastors and ministry leaders, and we sell leather products from them. And so Lucas was just really busy focusing on that. I was very busy being a mom and doing foster care. So at the beginning of that year, we had decided to take a break. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, it'll be a four-week break. Yeah. And then we'll jump back in. And after four weeks, you know, when February rolled around, I could just tell, you know, Lucas, the idea of um, when I would bring up fostering to him, he would get this look in his eyes, (laughs) kind of a panic. Yeah. But I was a little bit dense (laughs) and just, you know, not picking up on these cues, I think not you know, patiently really hearing him, I had kind of like my goals and like, well, obviously the Lord wants us to foster. We already went through the, you know, hard certification process and put so much work into this and getting our house home inspected and all of this. And, you know, we have our license um, to maintain that takes a lot of work. So I had just kind of, you know, let it go in February, kept thinking that, you know, finally the next month we'd jump in. So it had been almost a a year, you know, we celebrated our 10 years in October. Mm -hmm. So it had been 10 months. And on that trip, you know, we were just talking about children again. And I was thinking, okay, maybe finally he's going to tell me he's ready, you know, to jump back into fostering. And he didn't. He, you know, basically was just sharing with me how hard that had been on him And he had been so interested in it, but when it came down to what the process actually looked like, he basically told me it was the hardest experience of his life. Yeah. And that was, you know, hard for me to hear in a sense, but on our anniversary, the Lord just so graciously gave me this supernatural strength for the moment, which is what his word promises he'll do. You know, he calls us to things and right before they happen, he gives us that supernatural grace. 
And I was able to kind of get out of my own mindset, put my ideas, my goals down and just listen to my husband Mm. because God has given me this amazing husband who loves me, who loves our family. And I think I was just so busy and distracted with like my own ideas of what the Lord was calling us to that I hadn't really been listening and taking in that inventory for what he was thinking. Yeah. So he just shared his heart with me and and told me like, Hey, you know, this was so hard for me and I just don't know. And we didn't resolve it in that conversation. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm such a like, okay, let's figure it out and move on. person. But we didn't, we're, we're living today in that tension of, we have no idea what we're going to do. We don't know if we're going to keep our foster care license maintained, pursue adoption, pursue having another biological if the Lord grants us that. I'm in that season of waiting still, but I think the difference today that I'm so grateful for is that God has given me this peace and true joy because he like basically just cleared my mind to be like, Hey, like your husband that relationship is very important Mm -hmm. and listening, listening to him and taking in what he's saying, like, that's how the Lord's going to lead our family too, not just your ideas. So I think Lucas and I are in a really great place together. Not that we have the answers for what we want to do next with children, but I'm listening to him more Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, not judging where he's at, trying to love him, trying to make him feel cared for and just trusting the Lord will lead us step by step. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's such a good reminder. I'm similar. Like I have a tendency of like, well, no, this is what God's put on my heart. Like, of course. And like, if it's something from the Lord, like, of course it's good. And of course we need to do it and we need to do it now, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. but that's such a good reminder of like, he's given us these partners and husbands and marriages that are supposed to be more important than mm-hmm kids. And I mean, the marriage, if you're married, like God wants us to pour into that and Mm -hmm. make that strong. And I think that's such a good reminder, especially being married 10, you know, plus years like the, yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Susie. Yeah, you're welcome. How has God like from 12 year old Susie who had this like idea and like moment in her life, like has God, let's say you never had any more biological children. Let's say you never fostered again. You never adopted like how has God fulfilled your role as a mom um, through mm. Wilder and Cedar? Like if there were never any more, do you feel complete being a mom? Hmm. I mean, to be honest, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I definitely still have that desire for more. Yeah. I would love to have a large family. I'm, I'm one of five and I can't imagine having less than four. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would say initially is I feel like, no. Okay. However, in this journey and even in the past few weeks, which is just so funny for God's sovereign hand and this, the timing of this conversation, Mm -hmm. which I hope encourages other women is that I can truly tell you that I'm content. Yeah. And I can truly tell you that even though this desire has not been met, God is good and he is working and I can trust that and have so much deep rooted joy because he is God. I am not. And it's just a joy to be used by him in whatever ways he's calling me to. Yeah. 
has that changed like over the years? Is this something that you felt like initially with Wilder? Is this something that like has taken a while? Like, do you feel like God has been working on you or <clears throat> do you think it's something like right off the bat that you've, you've felt some of that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's always season. Mm -hmm. So there'll be a season where I am there and I'm trusting. And then slowly without even realizing it, the boat drifts out, you know, into the middle of nowhere in the sense of, oh, I'm not really trusting him anymore. Like I can tell you now that adoption has been an idol in my life and how funny, right? Like it's a good thing. It's a good desire. But anytime we want something more than just accepting what God's given us, the scripture tells us that's bad. Or anytime we want something to the point of it's making friction in mm -hmm. our like marriage, you know, you'd think I'd catch on. Um, but, but I'm just so glad that the Lord has shown me that in this season. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but right. I think I had drifted in the past year because I was just a little tired of waiting. Yeah. And then God so graciously in the past few months has just brought me back to a point of, like you said, like our marriages, we know God has called us to love, to support our husbands. We know that it's in his word. I don't know if I'm going to adopt a kid. Yeah. So like Susie laid that down, you know? Yeah. How, what do you do when you're drifting? Like, what do you do to get back? Or does God just like shake uh, you a little bit and bring you back himself? <laughs> well, I'm so like in this season, I was so blind to it. You know, like if we had talked a few months ago, I probably would have been like, oh, everything's fine. But like, I hadn't really just listened to my husband and ex accepted where he's at and just sought to love on him in that season and lift him up. Um, so I think usually in the drifting, I don't see it for myself. Mm -hmm. It usually takes God jolting me. <laughs> like you, like you said, mm -hmm. I wish you, you guys listening could have seen Becky. She was like shaking her hand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get shaken a lot. So I don't know other yeah. people. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then from that moment forward, I kind of, I repent, you yeah. know, like, I think that's a big a part, a big part of being a believer and walking with the Lord is when we have not been walking the way he desires us to is to ask his forgiveness. Yeah. Ask forgiveness for the people around us that we've hurt or not loved well. Yeah. And then because of Jesus's sacrifice, we have this clean slate. So I love walking in the clean slate part. <laughs> Me too. I like clean yeah. slate very much so. <laughs> Me too. So that's yeah. where I'm at. Um, before we wrap up, Susie, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Wild and Free. Um, if you could share a little bit about that with everybody, because I think it's such a cool business and business model. And um, also these bags are just beautiful. You guys, you'll have to check out the website. But if you could share just a little bit more about the heart of that, like how often is Lucas down in Honduras these days? What's going on? Yeah, thank you. Um, so Lucas is going to Honduras about every three months. And Wild and Free Supply started because we were doing an extended missions trip in Honduras. We were volunteering at a church out in the mountains, um, an ind indigenous village church. And while we were there, we just saw so many amazing pastors who were in seminary and they had a problem. And that problem was they were taking forever to get through seminary because they would have to travel from their homes because they didn't have a job nearby. And they also didn't have a lot of time for seminary because they were working so hard for their family. Um, and many of them didn't have jobs. And that was the main problem was that many of them didn't have jobs. The ones that did were the ones who were traveling crazy, like nine hour bus rides to get to seminary. 
And so my husband just one day had this idea of like, what if there was a way that we could help these pastors have jobs close to the seminary and give them fair wages so that they can support their family, go to school at the same time. We can build the schedule around their classes so that their classes are the priority. And so that just kind of turned into this company, Wild and Free Supply. So we sell these beautiful leather goods. There's purses, laptop bags, so many products. It's all Honduran leather sourced right there in that um, city. And the men down there and the ministry leaders, we have a couple women who are doing biblical counseling and stuff. They have these fair wage jobs so that they can go to school and serve. A, a bunch of our guys recently did church planting, which was really exciting. They graduated, started some churches. Um, they're involved in just discipleship and training down there. So, that's so yeah, cool. so that's been three years now that we've had that. Yeah. These bags are beautiful and you'll see Susie modeling them on the website <laughs> there. <laughs> She's beautiful. The bags are beautiful. <laughs> you have so to sweet. check them out. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I like them. <laughs> yeah. They're beautiful. Susie, how has God or how is he, how has he set you free um, just over the years, like on your journey from having that vision of adopting, you know, internationally to having biological kids, going through fostering, not being sure of where you're at? Like, what has he set you free from? Hmm. I think a main theme with mothering in general is fear. He, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I was so terrified of having biological children and I had to lay that down. You know, I had to give that to the Lord. He showed me that that was, you know, not okay. That was not trusting him. That was a sin. And before I had gotten pregnant with um, my first son, I had to just tell him like, God, I am so afraid, like so stinking afraid. Yeah. And he was just so gracious to teach me through his scripture. You know, as believers, we truly have nothing to fear. God is always with us. And so I think that throughout all these years, that's been a big theme, mm -hmm. specifically with having biological children for me. Maybe for some of the listeners, it's going to be something totally different. But I really struggled with fear um, leading up to the birth of my first son. Yeah. And the Lord just so graciously took that away when I intentionally talked to him about it and gave it to him. Yeah. What was, I know we've chatted a little bit about this before. Like what was that experience like compared yeah. to what you thought it would be like? Having a baby? Giving or? birth. I know like oh, the actual, okay. like, yeah, and you don't yeah. have to tell what you will, but yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I've done two planned home births, which seems so weird for somebody who was terrified of giving birth. Mm -hmm. But um, that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. But the Lord just was so gracious because I had two amazing birth experiences, like amazing. I've written about them on my blog. Mm -hmm. God is so kind. And so just for him to even answer those prayers in that way of like, I'm going to give you this amazing, gentle experience that is going to be incredible. That was so kind of him. Yeah. You guys should check out those stories. There's some photos <laughs> to it and they're just beautiful. Yeah. Susie, thanks so much for coming on and just sharing your heart and talking about some of the stuff that's just hard. I know it's going to be encouraging um, for moms, for women who are maybe not sure if they want kids or women who 
are afraid of giving birth or just not sure what all of that looks like. I know that it's going to be encouraging for them. Um, where can we follow along your sweet family? We'll have it in the show notes too, but where's the best place to follow, follow along. So Instagram's the best place and it's Susie Van Dyke. I haven't been on there much lately, but I love to share as I can. Yeah. And you'll get a good glimpse of what's going on (laughs) in their world. Thank you so much for coming on friend. Thanks for having me, Becky. Yeah. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorquecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in.